Hi, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Featherstone Nutrition. Do I even have to say AKA Feathers anymore? Is Feathers stuck? It's there. I think people know. You're listening to Fuel for the Soul, the podcast where we talk all things nutrition and hydration and how it relates to performance. I like that. So before we dive into our listener question, let's talk about our sponsor, Inside Tracker. Thomas, what is Inside Tracker? Funny you should ask. Inside Tracker is an ultra personalized nutrition platform that uses blood work to create one of a kind, science backed action plan to help you reach your potential for better performance and a longer, healthier life. Yeah, so they were founded in 2009, and the Boston company first started working with professional athletes who wanted to see what their biomarkers, hormone, and mineral profiles look like during their training and how they could use nutrition and lifestyle to improve. Get this, they measure over 30, 30 biomarkers and recommend food and supplements to optimize things like your energy, cognition, endurance, heart health, and more. And... The really great news for you all is for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off their entire store. Boom. Just go to insidetracker.com slash fuel. All right. Today we have a listener question from Elliot and he wrote this one in, so I'm going to read it. All right. He said, I just finished the most recent episode concerning alcohol, and it got me wondering about caffeine. I feel like most people use caffeine more day to day, and it's in many endurance fuels. How much caffeine is too much caffeine, both on a day to day basis and during a race and workout? Is it advisable to taper down caffeine intake near races? Thanks. All I can think about is, is Elliot taking like Jaeger bombs because we're talking about alcohol and now he wants to talk about caffeine. Like, is he used to like <laughs> combining these two things together? No, I kid. <laughs> talk to us about caffeine. Let's let's start big picture, like everyday caffeine use. Um, and, and before we jump in, I saw like people getting ready for CIM, and uh, one of our friends had one to one ratio caffeine Martin to regular Martin. So mm-hmm. it's six laid out, three, three regulars, three caffeine. I was like, holy moly, like that blow my mind. So you bring up a good point there, right? Because we get caffeine through our daily quote unquote diet, right? So if we're drinking coffee or tea or something like that, or if whatever we're drinking before our race, if we're used to consuming caffeine and then we're taking caffeinated gels during the race, all of that is cumulative. So, you know, I think that's probably what, Elliot's getting at here is we have like our daily caffeine intake and then we also have like our race fuel caffeine intake so what is you know the recommended limit there and you know they they usually say less than 400 milligrams of caffeine a day is what we want so Thomas to your point the guy's picture you're talking about had three Martins which have 100 milligrams of caffeine so that's 300 milligrams of caffeine so then my question would be like how much did he take in before the race right um and just making sure that we're not getting too much so i mean to backtrack like when we look at, at caffeine it's a ergogenic aid right like it helps decrease our perceived exertion it helps decrease our perception of pain it helps us work harder and it doesn't feel harder so it really can be beneficial to take it before and and during um races but we just want to be careful right with that balance that we're not overdoing it what are side effects of too much caffeine The first thing people typically talk about is like a jitteriness or like an increased anxiety, which is clearly not what we want on race morning, um, is, you know, an increase of nerves, right? It's just going to make that 
acute like nervousness even worse if we overdo caffeine and then also if people get too much some people have gi issues so it's a gastric uh, gi stimulant so it can make things move through a little faster so it could cause gi issues while you're running if you get too much um and then some people you know just feel really shaky and nauseous and dizzy if they get too much so i mean we do want to be careful that we're not overdoing it and then two a lot of times caffeine is kind of compounded by the excitement and the adrenaline of race day. So some people actually find they like don't need that second cup of coffee before a big race when they're used to two because they have that adrenaline. So if we're overdo it with caffeine and then we've got that excitement and that adrenaline before a race, it can easily be too much. So we want to be careful with how much we're taking in. Where does that 400 milligrams a day number come from? And like, what is, what's an example of that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, you know, I don't even know who put out those recommendations. It's under 400 milligrams for adults, under 200 milligrams for pregnant people, and under 100 milligrams for teenagers. So I'd have to look that up and see exactly who's actually publishing that. Um, but what that looks like is most people are getting their caffeine through coffee, right? So like a cup of brewed coffee from home will be about 100 milligrams, um, maybe a little bit less if you get like a when I say cup, I mean like eight ounces, right? So like an eight ounce cup from Starbucks is a little bit stronger. So it might be like 120 milligrams. But, you know, if you're drinking two cups of coffee in the morning, you might be getting about 200 milligrams of caffeine. Um, you know, tea and like pop have a little bit less. It's about like 40 milligrams per cup. Um, some people will take things like run gum or, you know, caffeine pills so they know exactly how much they're getting. And usually that's in a dosage of like either 50 or 100 milligrams. If you're taking pre-workout that has caffeine, energy drinks are through the roof in caffeine. So those are probably some of the more common places people are getting it. So other than like the shakiness and the anxiety and that kind of stuff, what is the like negative side effects that can happen if you're taking too much caffeine? And I'm not even talking about performance athlete, just normal human being. I mean, obviously, it's going to interrupt sleep. Mm -hmm. Yep, it'll interrupt sleep. It could be, um, it could dehydrate you. So if we have habitual caffeine use, so if we drink two cups of coffee every single day, that coffee counts towards our hydration. But if all of a sudden we take in a ton of caffeine, we're actually going to lose some fluid out of our body. So we can end up dehydrated if we're increasing the caffeine. And then also... When I used to work in the hospital, we used to see people admitted with like heart arrhythmias and chest pain and things like that if they had too much caffeine, especially like teenagers that have, they're a little more sensitive to that. So, I mean, you really can overdose on caffeine if you're taking in too much. I feel like caffeine gets a bad rap and you always see people giving up caffeine like they're giving up alcohol. But if you're not abusing caffeine and you're staying well within the limits, is there anything really bad that you're doing? I don't think so. I don't. And I think to your point, people feel that way because it is addictive. So if you ever don't have your morning coffee or caffeine, you get terrible headaches. I'll never forget. I had some foot surgery. You know, you can't eat before that. So I woke up from foot surgery, like snowed from like, uh, you know, all the medication they gave me to put me to sleep. And I had the worst headache I can ever remember in my life because I hadn't had my coffee. Like I was having a headache over top, like whatever they sedated me with um, because I didn't have my caffeine. Like that's like, it's addictive, right? Your body gets used to it. It gets normal to it. So I think some people are like, oh, I shouldn't have it because it's addictive. Um, which, you know, I respect that opinion if people feel that way. But, you know, I personally don't think there's any harm 
to having caffeine as long as it's, you know, within those, those limitations, those healthier limitations, um, if we feel better that way. Does ha- caffeine help with overall diet and calorie burn and that kind of stuff? So it is, it does, that's an interesting question. It does increase our metabolism slightly. So I don't know if you guys remember, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, ECGC, which is from green tea. It's an extract from green tea that they were marketing for weight loss. Do you remember that? Yeah. So it was like, I I can't remember if it was Pepsi or Coke, but they made these like ECGC drinks that they said would help you lose weight because they boosted your metabolism. And of course, you know me, I like pulled the research on it and you had to drink three of them. So it was three 12 ounce like containers of tea and it increased your caloric burn by 95 calories a day. Like just go run a mile. You know what I mean? Like instead of spending all this money and drinking three ECGCs. So yes, it does increase your metabolism, but like what are the, what's like the net outcome of that? It's really not that much like in the full day. So um, yeah, a lot of people or like, you know, those diet pills that were popular for a while, they boosted your metabolism because they had caffeine in them. So it will increase it a little bit. Are there any, like not talking performance wise, just everyday life, are there any other benefits to drinking caffeine on like a daily basis? There have been some studies that they look at memory and memory loss as we get older. And they were finding that, you know, kind of not necessarily cause and effect, but like relationships that people who were drinking caffeine from coffee had a slower cognitive decline. So they were like staying sharper, you know, and their memory and their retention and all that kind of stuff was better as they got older. Um, So that is probably one of the bigger things. They've, you know, looked into like Alzheimer's and just dementia and things like that, and that it can actually help with cognition, that it keeps us a little little brighter as we get older. I had a coworker a few years ago that read that study and she was a little bit older and she never drank caffeine. And I couldn't figure out, I was like, you know, Joyce was off her rockers for like three days this week. Like she came in and she was like nuts. And I was like, Joyce, what is going on? She's like, I read this study that if you have caffeine, it helps with your, you know, mental focus and, and, and brain capacity. I'm like, okay, Joyce, like, I don't know that I think we need to get off the caffeine. <laughs> so she quit caffeine after reading that study because it didn't agree with her. Uh, some people are very, you know, acutely reactive to too much caffeine. Um, but yeah, I guess all that story to tell you that, yeah, it can help. Yeah, the other thing you'd have to understand is that while caffeine itself might help then uh, increase your metabolism, if you have it with like a pumpkin spice latte with whipped cream <laughs> and all that, it's not going not gonna to do much. No, no, definitely not going to negate everything that's in there. Okay, so question similar to that. Is there, like, is ingesting caffeine like by coffee or tea or gum or whatever form it is, are there some that are better and worse for you? Technically, no. I mean, so there's natural caffeine and synthetic caffeine. So sometimes you'll people pe- hear people like distinguish between the two. Um, honestly, I've never seen like there's one that's better than another one. Um, you know, obviously, if you're drinking coffee or tea, you're getting like antioxidants and different things with it that have some added benefit to it. But the biggest thing that kind of I look out for is just making sure that if we are getting a synthetic caffeine that we're not getting too much right like those bang energy drinks that are really popular now have 300 milligrams of caffeine in one 300 you know what I mean so it's just being careful with how much you're getting I think more so than you know is one necessarily better than another um but I do think 
a lot of people have really kind of drawn to the things like the run gums and the caffeine pills because you know exactly how much you're getting. You know you're getting 50 milligrams. You know you're getting 100. And that's important to some people, right? Kind of like the gels. We know exactly how much caffeine's in them. Um, so that can, I don't know, it's a little bit of a difference between like a cup of coffee and taking something like that. A lot of times people are taking, when you have coffee, you're also ingesting sugar or something else. Like we talked about, we joked around about the pumpkin spice latte, but uh, even a normal person might put a spoonful of sugar in their coffee or something to sweeten it up. Sugar is also a stimulant, right? I mean, it, our brain really likes sugar, so we're going to be more alert, you know, when we have some sugar, but I don't know if I'd call it stimulant. Yeah. So we're, I, I'm not, I'm imagining it when kids start bouncing off the wall when they have, uh, you know, a soda. Um, you know, but it brings up a good point that I think it's uh, I often see a lot of people that are like, all right, I'm tired. I'm going to have some caffeine to give me energy. Right. Because as we were talking about, some of the benefits of caffeine, especially when we're out there running, is mental acuity. So it makes our mental toughness stronger and it makes our brain sharper. So I don't know about you guys, but like I get really dumb when I'm out there running too hard like my brain won't do mental math it like it's hard to focus like am I dropping my pace I don't know so if we take some caffeine it can increase that alertness so that we're sharper we're ready right so if we translate that to people's days if people are under fueling if they're not eating enough we start to get kind of fuzzy kind of hazy because we don't have enough carbohydrate going to our brain to really focus throughout the day so we're like oh you know i can't focus i need more caffeine so some i see some people getting in this cycle where they're like tired because they're not eating enough but then they're grabbing coffee to increase that mental alertness so they can focus and get their work done but if we increase the amount of caffeine we're taking that also is an appetite stimulant so you know coffee is not giving us energy it's increasing our alertness, but coffee isn't giving us energy unless, to Thomas's point, it's full of fat and sugar, right? Energy comes from carbs, fat, and sugar. So if we're seeing people kind of almost abusing caffeine in order to stay more alert when we're not eating enough, whether it's intentional or unintentional, right, with, with increase in training, um, it's just always important to take that step back if we're finding ourselves in that cycle of, like, needing more caffeine, needing more coffee as we're training more to see, like, is it – What's causing that fatigue? Are we sleeping enough? Are we eating enough? And looking at some of those things instead of continually putting a Band-Aid of like more and more caffeine or coffee on it. And we talked before, I think when we were chatting about Martin's and the caffeine versus the regular, and that some people don't actually have a response to caffeine. Do you think that most people know whether or not, or do you have to like go get a test for that? That's a good question that I'd kind of forgotten about. So They've actually found that every single person has like one of three genotypes of how we respond to caffeine. So one type, we have performance benefits from caffeine. One type, we don't notice a difference. And one type, it actually can decrease performance. So I actually, some people will go and get those like um, 23andMe or, you know, some of those like genetic testing. And I have had some clients that are like, oh, wait, I know what type of caffeine, you know, metabolizer I am. I don't know what I am. And I don't ever tell people to go get tested. To your point, Meg, it's just like, did it work for you in the past? Or, or do you feel crummy? Most people who don't metabolize caffeine in a positive way, probably just don't drink coffee. They probably drank it and felt terrible and never did it again. You know, like, I think it's kind of just that default of like noticing how 
something makes us feel. I mean, I'm thinking back through a lot of the clients I work with and everybody's known whether I do caffeine or not. You know, like I think it's just something we've probably tested over time and realized if it works for us or not. And again, you know, to our Martin conversation, that's why we practice. You know, we practice with some of those caffeine gels because 100 milligrams of caffeine in a gel is a lot. Like that, when that first came out, I was like, whoa, I can't believe they put that much in there. Now we, that we've tried it, you know that we all love it. But, um, you know, that's a big dose, right? So that's so need bitter. To practice. It's bitter. Yep. Caffeine is a super bitter substance. And you notice it in those Martins, don't you? Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. like putting a, like, a little chemical in your mouth. Right. I actually only limited it to one caffeine for both of my last marathons because of how hard it is just to get down. And I was mm-hmm. like, I think mm-hmm. the the struggle with that mentally would be worse than the benefits of the caffeine of trying to get it down. Interesting. So you taste that bitterness that much. Yeah. And I, and it's, it almost, I feel like the texture's different than the, than the normal ones. And I don't know, they just mentally those, the white packet for me is like a, it's hard. this is going to be hard to get down. See, and I, I only took one because I noticed Megan wasn't taking one. I didn't know that was a reason I'm going to jack myself up. I took two. Like I, I'm like on like the two bandwagon. And I think, you know, Thomas, to your point of the guy who took three, depending on your body size, like three would be my limit by max. I mean, of how much I would want someone to take during a marathon. Yeah. So while we're on the marathon topic, if we are talking strictly caffeine for performance enhancing, let's, before we even talk about race day, leading up to it, I've heard that you should actually be reducing your intake of maybe your morning coffee or tea or whatever you normally do so that then the benefits of the caffeine on race day help you. Is that right? So there are some studies that show if we abstain from caffeine from like five to seven days pre-race that when we do have it on race morning, it's, we're going to feel it more. We're going to have more of a benefit. Are you it. saying like abstain like zero None. caffeine? Zero. Zero. Yeah. Okay. Hard, hard no on that. So that's exactly my point. I'm like, if you take my coffee away while I'm tapering, like, good luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, absolutely not. It's yeah, not no worth- alcohol, no coffee. <laughs> All my vices. Okay, so if someone is willing to give up their coffee or whatever for the set five to seven days, what what benefits are there? You know, I figured you were going to ask me that, like what percentage benefit. And honestly, I I can't, I don't remember what it said in the studies, but there are also studies that say it did not make a difference if people gave it up or not, right? Like we could find something to support both ends of this. I would say when I hear people abstaining from caffeine race week, those that's the minimum amount of people. Like I wouldn't say there's many people who do that. So it can't have that much of an impact in my opinion. And like I said, like there's studies to support it. And then there's also studies that are like, "Eh, it's pretty negligible. Um, So I think we have to think about our mental health going into a race, right? You know, is potentially feeling crummy all week because we have headaches because we're used to caffeine. We're tired. We're sluggish. Oh my gosh, I'm not fit. I can't run this. If we get into that spiral because we've eliminated caffeine, like how much is that going to negatively impact our race? So I think we just need to know like what's best for us truthfully. That reminds me a lot of when we were talking about carb loading beforehand and should you cut back on carbs right before you do the Mm -hmm. carb load? And it seems similar where there's not really any benefits and mentally you will be sad. That's yes. No, that's actually a very good. Yeah. Comparison there. (laughs) Oh, okay. Another question for you about caffeine. 
Is it true that it cures hangovers and or sobers you up faster? Definitely does not sober you up. That's definitely a wives' tale. As far as hangovers go, I mean, as long as you're used to the caffeine and it's hydrating you, like that's the biggest thing with a hangover. Like you got to rehydrate, right? So if it's helping with that. And then I think too, that mental pick me up that we get from, from caffeine is probably just disguising the fact that we feel awful and are hungover, you know, but I don't think it's necessarily curing it. All right, guys, jumping in here to remind you about our sponsor, Inside Tracker. So if you're listening before you know already, they measure over 30 biomarkers and recommend food, supplements to optimize things like energy, cognition, endurance, heart health, and more. And for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash fuel. Do it. Okay, so we are pretty much, is it technically the holiday season? Yeah, we just had Thanksgiving. Christmas is around the corner. Hanukkah is happening, already happened. I think it's over. Okay, that's over. And then New Year's is coming up. And I feel like there's all of this talk about eating and drinking around the holidays and not always a, in a good light. Like I feel like with every, Hey, go enjoy with your family article. There's a seven tips to not get fat during the holidays. So what do you, what do you say to people both who are in their off season and who are maybe training for a winter race? Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point because it's, it's so confusing. It's like it's setting up such a bad mental headspace around nutrition and the holidays, right? It sets up this like feast or famine. Like you either have to go like all in and eat like garbage for a month or, you know, you've going to and then restrict, restrict, restrict come the New Year's, right? Like we're almost setting people up for this terrible quote unquote diet mentality that we're all working so hard to like get a grip on. Um, so I think, you know, I always try to encourage people enjoy the things that you want to enjoy, but it does not have to be this like ongoing feast, right? Like we want to feel good day to day. We want January 1st to roll around and us to be like, yes, I can't wait to get after, you know, whatever race I've got in the spring. Not like, oh crap, I have to undo everything I did the last month. Like nobody wants to be, you know, in that headspace. So I think I always just tell people like make the choices with your eating that make you feel your best throughout that month. Right. And if that's enjoying the heck out of whatever meal is in front of you or cookies that the coworker brings into work or something like that, do it. Right. But if you do it and then you feel crummy, like, let's not do it again. You know, like, let's notice what makes us feel best. There's nothing wrong with wanting to eat healthy over the holidays. There's nothing wrong with being like, hey, who's bringing the veggies? You know, you don't have to be that person that like won't eat dessert, but it's also totally fine to keep some balance in all of this, you know, and make sure that you're coming out of this holiday season feeling as good as you went into it, because no one wants to feel like we have to like undo work, because um, that's just not the best place to be in. Yeah, I feel like for whatever reason, we just it's you hit November, December, and it's like the extremes start happening yes. where it's like you have to go all in on this crazy thing. And then I, I'm curious around like January, do you get an influx of people wanting to work with you? So looking back 
in, over the past couple of years, January and July are the two huge influxes for me. So yeah, I mean, even though you guys know I'm not into like diets or New Year's, I don't have like a work with me in January promotion going on, you know, but yeah, January, I think people are starting to think about their goals for the spring. And in July, I think people are starting to think about their goals for the fall. Yeah. What, what do you think about the, um, like dry Januaries and the, what what is it, like clean like oh the third what was the thirty day thing yeah we did that one um, time. pull thirty pull that's pull it 30? yeah yeah like no sugar no alcohol yeah. no no fun um it was the most miserable month right and what did you guys do after it was over did you feel like it changed behaviors or did you just go back to normal um it made me so what I learned during it is it's supposed to be a quote unquote elimination diet where you figure out if you're allergic to anything and it turns out I have zero allergies and no intolerances and was like this did my body composition did not change at all like I was miserable I did not sleep well at all and I hated it so I was like never doing that again and I got to be there the whole time <laughs> So Thomas has never wants to do it again either. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah. the same thing for me. Like I was like, if I'm going to do this, that there better be weight loss out the yin yang. There better be, you know, whatever. And we're like yeah. feeling good. I thought because we were eliminating alcohol and we were eliminating, I forget, like everything that tastes good, that um, like you, there would be a plus size of feeling great. And I felt the worst I've ever felt. I did get one good thing out of it. Uh, I got a um, coconut water midway through, and I was like, this tastes amazingly sweet because I hadn't had any sugar. So just like a light hint of it, I was like, this is delicious. I could drink like 20 gallons of this right now. But that was the only thing I learned. But also like how we're talking about how everyone indulges and then restricts in January. We didn't do January. We did like right after. But um, we did the same thing where it was like, as soon as it was over, we were like, oh, we can drink again. And I think we drank like every night for a week straight. And then we felt like garbage even more. Right. You made up for it. And that's my biggest concern. I mean, not like binge drinking, but just, you know. Yeah. Right. Regular, You're like, we can do this again. So we're going to do it five nights in a row. Whereas normally maybe we would have only done it on a Tuesday. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. And the same thing with sugar. I see people do that all the time. Um, you know, to your point, Thomas, I have heard people say after doing something like a month of whole 30 that like, they're like, wow, like I don't need as much sweet stuff. Like I notice things are sweeter and I'm like satisfied with less. Like I have heard things like that, but I don't think we need to like totally restrict it for a month to feel that way. I think we just need to assess like, all right, my sweet intake has dramatically increased in December. So I'm going to try to cut that back. Not like don't eat it. You know what I mean? Um, but I just, it's. It's kind of uh, kind of wild to think about. And I think, you know, one other thing that I always try to tell people is the food's never not going to be there. Like, I think sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, it's Christmas. I want to eat all the Christmas cookies. I only get them once a year. Like, I need to make my Christmas cookies. But once we do, I always put some in the freezer because, like, it's only four of us. We're not going to eat that many. And literally, I'll whip out the sugar cookies in March. And we're like, yes, the frosted sugar cookies that Megan hid in, you know, December. Um just because it's exciting to eat them again a different time. It's not like we have to eat them all right now. Like I think just dropping that, like I can have it now or never phenomenon can help too. just kind of, it's like loses its allure then as well. Yeah. I feel like we're always going back to this and it's probably like not what people want to hear because it's like, you just stay balanced 
throughout. Like there's no need to go in excess in either direction at any time. But I think, I don't know, when you're surrounded by people that are all indulging, I think it's also hard not to be like, well, they're doing it. So we should all do it. If the tray of cookies is out (laughs) and you're in the kitchen and they're, you know, getting stuff ready, it, it, you know, what are you going to do? What not? Also, if you're like a martini deep and the tray of cookies is out, you're probably like, that's so great. Cookie monster over top of it, like face planting in the cookie tray. Now, I mean, the whole element of mindfulness can help with this too. Like, cause I do have a lot of people who come to me and they're like, Megan, I just feel so out of control to your point around the cookie tray. Um, and honestly, sometimes we just become so mindless like if we're if we're next to it, we could have eaten six cookies and not even remembered what one of them tasted like, what five of them tasted like, which in that point, it's almost like, well, that was silly. I didn't even enjoy it, you know? So like if we want a cookie, like commit to the cookie and eat it and notice you're eating it and be like, hmm, that was delicious or, oh, that was gross. I don't want that one again. You know, like actually notice that you're eating it. Yeah. That's a good point because when you're at a party, sometimes you get that small, tiny plate. And so you're concentrating on making space on it, like, because you don't want to hold too much stuff. Like, you're like, I want to get this down. I don't want to hold it the whole night. So you kind of like woof down whatever's on the plate so that you don't have to carry a plate around anymore. Whereas you want to like make a plate and sit down and eat it and then get back to the conversation. So you can like kind of separate your socialization and eating would be ideal. I know that can't always happen, but like that would be ideal. Yeah. I mean, I know so when I'm rushing out of the house with the kids or something and I need... Some, I'll grab a handful of stuff, and my whole intent is to get this out of my hand so it goes straight into the mouth. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. And sometimes fueling is going to be like that when you're busy, though, right? Like, it's not like we need to be mindfully eating always. Like, sometimes literally it's like, get food in me. I need to move on to the next task. But, um, yeah, if it's something we want to enjoy, we want to slow down. All right. So that's it. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee after this one because I definitely need some energy. I feel drained. It doesn't that give you energy. It, well, acuity. I need a like a sharper brain, I guess. Okay. Um, anyway, we love getting your questions. Obviously, uh, if you want your nutrition question answered, you can do it in two ways. Meg, what are the two ways? Well, we'd love it if you sent us an audio file, and you can do that by going to the Anchor app um, and uploading a file there, or you can email us at fuelforthesoul at gmail.com. Fuelforthesoulpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening if you did listen. And uh, and uh, hopefully you are getting through this holiday season with good spirits and good nutrition. So we'll leave it at that. All right. Bye. Thanks, guys.